guys seem like you're wide awake and excited and alert, and uh, we're glad you're here and looking forward to um, worshiping together. And also, at this time, I just want to make you aware of um, our speaker tonight is uh, Dr. Jim Bond. And how many of you already know him? Yeah, let's, let's give him applause right now. Yes. Those of us that know Dr. Bond uh, deeply appreciate him. Uh, he is, uh, he's the real deal. And we so appreciate that. And for those of you who don't know him yet, you're going to come to love him very quickly. And so, Dr. Bond, we welcome you here tonight, and we thank you for being such a wonderful uh, ambassador for Jesus Christ. So I'd like for us to say our um, theme tonight together. So could we do that, please? Here am I, Lord, send me. And could we silently pray that prayer? Amen. Let's prepare to worship the King of glory. Well, good evening, everyone. The text for this evening is in 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, and... Well, actually, it goes down through three, but I think I'll just read from chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 14 through 17. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Well, I'm impressed with that little statement to begin with in the 17th verse, where Paul says, we are like men sent from God. Wow. The great apostle and all of those who worked alongside him actually believed that they were called of God commissioned by God and sent forth into the world by God himself. I hope you who are here have such a call. Most of you, I trust all of you do. And while it is true that God calls us to different ministry forms, all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ share a common mission. It belongs to all of us. I've kind of been intrigued in the last two or three years by reading and studying the great Christological passages in the New Testament particularly. And I love John's prologue to the Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. John says, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made, in him was life, 
and that life was the light of men. And then he says, there came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. What a grand and glorious vision John had. <laughs> through him all men might believe. A bit grandiose for one man, but in reality, the mission that he's talking about is your mission and mine as well. That all men might believe through our witness. Our world includes all of those who come within the circle of our influence. That's where our world is. To those all around us, those who intersect with our lives every day. That's our world and we are no less called to the mission to reach those within the circle of our influence than the Apostle Paul and those early believers also were called to do. We are like people sent from God. The great uh, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says, there is only one way in which God is imaged in the world, and only one, humanness. God manifests himself in this world through the image that is his in you and in me. He says, God is not imaged in anything fixed, but in the freedom of human persons to be faithful and to be gracious. I probably would say, in the freedom of those who are being Christian, Christ-like, if you will, in attitude and in action, who image Christ in this world. Question. What is to be our deportment as those who are imaging God in our world? What kind of people ought we, ought we to be? How do we conduct ourselves? Well, here in the text, Paul uses a couple of images, metaphors, if you will, to describe the mindset and the spirit of God's sent ones. First of all, he says in verse 14, God leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Now, Paul is taking the picture of the Roman warrior who's commissioned to go out in the field against the enemy. And so he goes, does battle, wins the battle, and then as evidence that he's won the battle, he comes back into the city trailing behind him the spoils of victory. That proves that in fact he has won the victory out there in the field. And Paul takes this analogy and applies it to Jesus. He went up against the devil and all the forces of evil and he won a smashing victory. Hallelujah. It was won on a bloody cross, sealed at the empty tomb, and it will be finalized when he comes again on the clouds. Hallelujah. And so Paul sees Jesus as conqueror, marching throughout the world, marching throughout all time, and trailing after him with the millions, yea, the billions, whom he has redeemed and rescued from the powers of evil. I'm in that train, you're in that train. It's a victory procession which absolutely nothing can stop. Do you believe that? Amen. Nothing can stop it. So Paul says to those of us who are sent from God, to go and do it with our heads held high 
and our eyes always on the victorious conqueror himself. We follow in that train of those who are following hard and close after Jesus Christ. Never fearful, never cowering, never cringing, never intimidated. In the power of the conqueror, no odds against us are ever too large. Do you know what God is doing in China today? I don't think we even know how many believers there are in China. Multiplied millions. My friend Dr. Cunningham, Paul Cunningham, General Superintendent, was there several years ago. And he had the privilege to uh, sit down with a house church leader. And at the end of the conversation, he said to him, Well, sir, I need to tell you that Christians around the world are praying for China, that revival will come here. The guy was almost ready to leave, and he turned and came back and said, Revival has already come to China. It's sweeping like a wildfire across China. If you want something to pray about, pray about our road back to Jerusalem. Very interesting. I don't know if you've read The Heavenly Man, the beautiful story of a Christian brother who was a house church leader named Brother Yun. Read his book. And you'll discover persecution is not a thing of the past. He has endured anything and everything that those in the primitive church endured for the sake of Jesus Christ. Tremendous man of God. Read the book. It'll put some real steel in your constitution. Our temptations and our, our trials are not the same as his. But it's an amazing story. And I was, I was interested in reading in there that he talked about going back to Jerusalem. And he talked about going down the silk roads. China, of course, is famous for its silk, has been for generations, centuries. And they would sell those silk products and send them out across the world down the three silk roads, back to Jerusalem, all the way to Jerusalem. Those three silk roads go down the most unevangelized area of the world today. There represents the strongholds of the other great religions of the world, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. And it is their dream to send 100,000 Chinese missionaries down the silk roads all the way back to Jerusalem, not to have a general assembly together, but they will evangelize as they go. Why? Why the silk road evangelism? Why would they go? Well, because Brother Yun says, China's been our training field. They can't do anything out there to us that they haven't done to us in China. So we're ready to go. When they send missionaries out, it's not like we send them out. They just lay their hands on them and pray for them, and out they go. With a little pack on their back, say goodbye to family, thinking we'll probably never see you again. I was fascinated by a statement he made in the book. There's no telling what God can do with people who have no fear of what man can do to them. <laughs> fear? Why should we fear? We're on the winning side. We're moving throughout all time and all history, sent by God, intimidated by nothing. Well, the second metaphor is engaging as well. 
Paul says, through those who are sent as God's images in the world, God spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. Of course, we're the smell of death to those who hear the message and refuse. But to those who hear it and embrace it and begin following after Jesus Christ, we, the aroma of Christ, we are to them, Paul says, the fragrance of life. Boy, I love that image. We are the fragrance of life to those who do not know Jesus. Well, how are we the aroma of Christ? Been thinking about that a little bit. First of all, we are by our actions. We are the aroma of Christ by what we do. I love that little word portrait of Jesus that was painted in the Acts of the Apostles where Luke says about him, he went around doing good. <laughs> he says he went around doing good to people. I would to God every time somebody mentions the name Nazarene that say, hey, those are the people who just go around everywhere doing good. Wow. Doing good in Jesus' name. Paul, uh, Bob Pierce is a name you may not know, but he, he founded World Vision, one of the great humanitarian, Christian humanitarian organizations in the world today. We kind of claim him at Pasadena College. He was an alumnus of our college, though uh, didn't graduate from there. But I happened to be there when he came back and in chapel one morning talked about his vision for World Vision. They've gone everywhere just doing good in the name of Jesus, impacting this world in a mighty way. I, I read about a group from World Vision that went to a little village in India. I don't remember what they were doing. Often they dig wells in those villages because they have no clear, good, clean water source. Or they'll help build uh, buildings or whatever. So they were there for a couple of weeks and suddenly the Hindu priest of the village called everybody together. And he said, I don't want you to have anything to do with those people anymore because they're trying to convert you to Christianity. And they, they didn't hesitate. They responded as one and said, if you saw how these people lived, you'd want to be a Christian too. <laughs> Praise God. So yes, we witness by our actions, by what we do. We also witness by our words. St. Francis had that famous quip in which he said, we witness all the time and sometimes with our words. Sometimes the door opens and we have to be ready to present the claims of Jesus Christ. Peter said, be ready with your words when the Spirit opens the door. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. <laughs> so yes, you ought to be prepared. I don't know how you do that, four spiritual laws or whatever. But you ought to be prepared. You ought to be ready when the door opens so you can lead someone to a saving knowledge of our wonderful Lord. But I think most of all, we are the aroma of Christ by our spirit. By our spirit. 
We believers are the living embodiment of the outpoured love of God in Jesus Christ. That's his plan. That's his design. We, we witness by the persons we are in Christ in the deepest part of our being. We don't go around trying to be the aroma of Christ all the time. No, it just kind of supernaturally em emanates from the core. It's a spiritual fragrance. Malcolm Muggeridge is a name you may recognize. Muggeridge was a very agnostic uh, British journalist. Very uh, renowned in England. And he was assigned to do a story on Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And so he went. Agnostic mind. Shadowed her for a couple of weeks. One day they went to a leper's colony, which was just outside a slaughterhouse. He said the smell was unbelievable. It was enough to make me a wretch. But in that context, there was another fragrance that was so much sweeter, I did not even smell the odor from the slaughterhouse. What was that sweet smell that he smelt in that moment? Well, it was the Spirit of Jesus just wonderfully, gloriously, spiritually flowing out of the heart of this tiny little woman with the servant heart of Jesus Christ. We lived here in Colorado Springs for I think 13 years and a year ago now moved to Castle Rock just to downsize among other things, get us a smaller place, have a nice little place, moved out of a neighborhood up Mount Shadows where all of our neighbors were essentially people of our vintage. In other words, a lot of old people all around us. <laughs> And we moved to a neighborhood now who are all young people. They're all over the place, everywhere, little kids. <laughs> we fall in love with them. We fall in love with the parents. They're just warm, wonderful whirlings. Sharon that lives across the street, gone through a terrible divorce. She's the only believer we know in the neighborhood. And we've been there for her. Daughter lost her husband. And I gave her a book that was tremendous help to her, so I shared a copy with Sharon. She said I read it through one evening. Called my mom, dead all the way through. But over here, they are nominal Catholic. Over here, they're, they're people who live by the philosophy, I think. He who dies with the most toys wins. Cabin up Breaking Ridge, they've got everything. You know what? I think we live in a mission field. They're not unlike the people I've seen in 75 different countries of the world. Anytime someone's lost, they need Jesus, and there they are, all around us. And our prayer every morning is, Oh, Jesus, help us to be the aroma of Christ in this neighborhood. Oh, I'm not a smash-mouth-in-your-face evangelist. Sometimes that works, and you might be that kind of person, and God bless you. But most of the time, it's just being there, being the power and presence of Jesus Christ. 
and the spirit that flows through us flows through them. And they want to know what makes us tick and what more wonderful thing in the world than to tell someone about that great and glorious man who loved us and gave himself for us. Well, <laughs> think of it, my friends. What a great place to be here at Nazarene Bible College. Each of us believers in Jesus Christ I, I thought this afternoon as I was praying and preparing my heart. There is that sweet spirit on this campus. I know this place. I love it. Served here years ago. But I would just pray to God that he might open up again the fountain of the aroma of Christ. And all over this place, the sweet aroma of Jesus would be everywhere. Right here, from, from the administrative offices right down through faculty offices and classrooms and chapel and everything on this campus permeated with the aroma of Jesus Christ just kind of filtering out, flowing all over the place. And when we go from this campus, we go back to our homes, to our neighborhoods, to our schools, to our workplaces, and we go with the mission of Christ in mind to be the aroma of Christ that we might impact this world in which we live. Well, what do you think? Amen? Amen. I started to entitle the sermon, What's That Sweet Smell Around Here? <laughs> yeah. Stand, please. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Spirit of Jesus, live in us afresh because we are here to say again, here am I, Lord. Send me to be your power and presence and love in our world. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you.